If you believe that God will speak to you today, give me an amen. amen. If you believe that God is going to communicate his will and his person, his character to you today, his power through the entrance of his word, give me another amen. amen. Right, let's declare the word of understanding as we usually do. One, two, let's go. Giving me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. Can you go turn to two, three people? Just go around great life. Um, eight people, yes? Yes, count to count. Eight people, which will require you to shift your important self from your seat. Bless the person today. Say the wisdom will come to you. The Lord will talk to you. Yes, I like that. Leave from your seat. Move from your seat. Yes. The wisdom will speak to you. Understanding will bellow on you today. Insight will come to you. In the name of Jesus. All right. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I like that scattering. It's very good. Everybody move around a bit. Okay, let's open our Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. I want us to start from there today. Jeremiah chapter 10. Now, the text I'm using today, I could have used hundreds of Bible references. I just felt like reading this Jeremiah chapter 10 because I read it recently and I was so blessed by it. Okay? Jeremiah chapter 10, we read from verse 1 to verse 17. Uh, like I was saying, we could have used many scriptures, and when I start teaching on what I want to teach today, and we are going to pray, it's our school of prayer, you will see the reason why I say that. Now, um, I, want us to, I want all of us to read. Well, how do we do it? One, two, right? Okay, if you all say so. All right. Let's start reading. I'll read verse one, you read verse two, and then we'll read verse 17, the last one together. All right? Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Nations, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the peoples are delusion, because it is wood cut from the forest, the work of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. Verse 4. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, so that it will not water. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field are they, and they cannot speak. They must be carried, because they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they can do no harm, nor can they do any good. Verse 6, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. Verse 8. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beating silver is brought from Tarshish, 
and gold from offers, the work of a craftsman and the hands of a goldsmith, violet and purple at their clothing. They are all this work of skilled men. Verse 10. For the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful. And there is no breath in them. Verse 15. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. 16. Let's go. The portion of Jacob is not like this. For the maker of all is he. And Israel is a tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Now, what I want to share with us briefly, and then we'll take time out, read a number of these scriptures together. Actually, I had, I had wanted to compile a long portion of it. Maybe we'll do it next time. We'll just start from the beginning and just read and read and read. Maybe read for like two hours and just keep reading and reading. Are you getting my point? You see what we want to do? Let me just introduce it today. Maybe we'll do it next time. Now... Some time ago, I talked about a new kind of prayer. When I say new kind of prayer now, there's a reason why I talked about that. Let's, okay, I think we should read it, just so as to remind ourselves of the um, scriptural foundation for that new kind of prayer that we talked about, the book of Malachi. Let's see what it says there. Malachi was speaking in chapter Malachi chapter 3. From verse 11, just listen, I'll read it. He said, Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, How have we spoken against you? He said in verse 14, You have said, It is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his charge, and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possessions. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. Between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. And now talk about the day coming as uh, like a furnace. And when all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. 
and the day that is coming we set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, he says, the sun, that is the shining sun of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip like the calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for there will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Now we have read from that um, portion of chapter 3 into those first few verses of chapter 4 of the book of Malachi to emphasize something here. You will see, now, okay, now, now go back to what I was saying. So then I talked about this, and I just feel like emphasizing it again in a short series of teachings which will begin from today. All right, In what I call the new dimension of prayer then, in which I described it as our conversation. Now, what I'm bringing out here is that you see these people, they did not know they were praying. They were in the arcade, they were not praying. They thought they were speaking how? To one another. They were speaking to one another. And the Lord was paying attention. And based upon what they said to each other, not what they said in the prayer meeting, not what they said, you understand, when everybody, one pastor stood in front and said, everybody repeat after me. No. It was what they said when they were counseling one another. When somebody had a problem and they went to his friends, they let us discuss what am I supposed to do. Or the matters of the country came up and they were discussing. It was those things that they said that the Lord paid attention to. And that's one thing about Christianity. Many of us end up learning the language and we speak it when we are among Christians. What we have called Christianese. We know how to say it is well. We didn't see you in church yesterday. What happened? Ah, thank God I'm strong. Are you getting the point? <laughs> you, you are strong, so you did not come. You understand? It's our Christian needs. You understand my point? So asking somebody, please, can, can, can you give me some money? Say, so into my life. Are you following me? That's part of our Christian needs, our Christian language. Sometimes we learn those things. The Bible says that their fear of me is, is after traditions that they are, the, the fear of, as they always say, that is by rote. People have learned to repeat some things that is not from the heart. Sometimes people do like that. We learn the language, okay? But then when we now go quietly, you know, we're in our bedrooms with our spouses. We are with our friends. I want to talk to you, boy, let's be practical. Let's be practical. Let's leave this church thing aside. You know, are you getting my point? That is when you know what people really believe. And that's really the painful part in Christianity. Many of the things that people say, they don't believe them. One of the things I learned early as a preacher was, of course, I don't even know how I learned it, but I just knew it was wrong to do otherwise, was to never say anything from the pulpit I don't believe. Do you get my point? Actually, the person that I remember quoting about it is Elihu. Elihu said, I don't flatter anybody, lest my maker takes me away. Elihu understood that if you make it a habit to say things you don't believe, you are offending God on a daily basis. So many times what we do, a lot of us, you know, even preachers, we'll stand up, we preach what we are not convinced about. Are you getting my point? John said, that's not what ministry is supposed to be. Ministry is supposed to be what you have heard, what you have seen, you understand? What your hands have handled concerning the word of life. That is what you deliver to people. Stop saying things you are not convinced about. All right? That's the problem a lot of times. Christians, when we are in our quiet moments, that is when we really start talking to one another and we don't realize that God is actually paying attention at such times. We go come for all night meeting, we repeat prayers for hours and hours and we dance and dance and we lift our voices, we sing songs to the Lord. But there's one thing we forget, that as we are going back home, God is in the car. He's listening to what we are discussing. When we sit down and say, let us pray for the affairs of this nation. 
And would, maybe election is coming up. People will gather in churches and they will pray and pray and pray. Then when they finish the prayer, they are going home. They will now start discussing with you. Hmm. The problem with this country, when you hear them tell you what the problem with the country is, there's no God in the talk. The problem is Lord Lugard. What's the name of his girlfriend? Flora Shaw. That was, that's the problem. I actually saw a man, he wrote a book. I said, if I believe that, I must be thoroughly, thoroughly confused that the foundation of for Nigeria was laid in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, where Flora Shaw and Lord Lugard and some people went to for an occultic meeting. And I said, if you don't stop this prophesying, God will soon close your mouth. There are things you don't see. You take the power away from God. The Bible says it's the governor among the nations. You're not telling me that one occultist, a group of occultists, they are governors in the nation. They are not. They are not. Sometimes people get confused. They get confused. A man actually said it, prophesying that people went to the bottom of the ocean. That was where Nigeria came from. I felt like asking him, where did America come from? Where did the UK come from? Where did Australia come from? South Africa. Are you kind of like Japan? When you finish, you see that God has no power again on this earth. Because everything is decided in the bottom of the Atlantic. I want it's Japan, they go to the bottom of the Pacific. I want it's Middle East, they go to the bottom of the Mediterranean. <laughs> do you understand? Where do they determine the destiny of Europe? That's bottom of the North Sea, or where? Nonsense. <laughs> Are you getting my point? And people actually say these things and expect, you know. Now, this is what I'm trying to explain. When people start analyzing the issue of the country, they've just left church, they've just finished praying, then they settle down. What is the problem with this country? Hmm. Ever since Buhari came to power, I knew that what we need right now, you see, forget this man. What we need is for Christians to gather together and vote the kind of candidate they want. Because, you see, and they'll finish analyzing. So what's the way forward? The way forward right now is for us to put aside our differences and join our hands together and cast away the hegemony of the ruling class. They ask, who's the ruling class? The man talking. He doesn't realize that the other people in his office think he's part of the ruling class. And one day they are going to cast away his oppression and, and throw him away. One of the things I'm learning these days is to redefine myself. What I mean by redefine myself is this. This is where I used to look at other people. I didn't realize that I'm not being looked at like that. One day I was in my office talking with, I mean, the rulers of, the, of a federal government parastatal. Are you getting my point? And they said, the problem is leaders. I pointed out, this man was our, at that time, I think was our director of finance. I said, you, you are telling me. No, you know, he is currently director of finance. Before that time, when the office of director of finance, he was an assistant. I said, we are here, and you are telling me the problem of leaders. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Let me not sit on that. Now, where I'm going is that these same people just left church, and they prayed to God. And then by the time they are leaving, by the time they sit down, of course, as they are leaving in the car, and they get to their homes, they are discussing, they now start telling the problem of the country's leaders. If the problem is leaders, why didn't you go to church and just sit down and talk only about leaders? Why were you praying about mercy? Why are you praying for the power of God? I don't know whether I get my point. Listen, that's why I introduced it then, and I want to continue on it today. That when you converse with one another, that is part of your prayer life. I hope you are getting my point. And many people undo the prayers they had prayed. Not even in church. They gather in the morning, man, wife, children, and they pray. That as soon as they finish, the children have gone, they will not sit down. And so analyze the problem of the country. And what is the solution? Oh, do I need to tell the solution they prescribe? Once you can just get a visa, all the problems of your life is over. They are all over. Now, what am I saying to us again? We don't realize 
that that is part of prayer. And when we finish like that, you know what we have done effectively most times? We have annulled all the prayers we prayed before then. That's what we do. Without realizing it, and that's why I have to correct us again in case we are falling for that. We annul all the prayers we have prayed by the time we are talking with one another. And that's because unconsciously we think that at that time we are not praying. But the Bible has shown us here. Malachi, God said to him clearly. He said, those that fear the Lord spoke to one another. They were not talking to him. But the Lord gave attention. Let me read it in my Bible again. The Lord gave attention and heard it. Please bear that in mind. That the things they were saying at that time, you will notice, determined how he responded to them. Concerning those people, let's talk about those who feared him. He said, they will be mine. You will see that God began to bless these people and pronounce a blessing upon them. And he said that the day of trouble is coming, burning like a furnace. That day, that day I will remove all the arrogance and every evildoer. And I want to bring out something here that you will notice that the way the people you call arrogant and evildoers, you please bear this in mind, how they speak is an expression of their arrogance. I hope you're getting my point. That when people talk to one another, God is determining at that point in time whether he will save them on the day of trouble or they will be swept away in the day of trouble. He said, but to you who fear my name, how do you know those who fear his name? Is those is the kind of things they speak to one another. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. That's why then we talked about it. When we are conversing with one another, we are also praying. Our words, our words, you know, we're talking about how to build up our faith. We must deliberately construct our words around scripture. So that if, some, if your child, not your child, your wife comes to you or your friend comes to you and he says that, hey, I did a business, your friend, and this is what they stole my money. How much did you lose? I lost a, a total of 3.8 million naira. And I trusted those people who, instead of start, shout, start shouting, ah, they will die. All these people, that's the problem with this country. You start talking, no, relax. You're talking to your friend. Do you get my point? Know that what, how you are going to respond to him will affect what will happen to both of you. I hope you're getting my point. So he said that we give thanks. And listen, it's not only when you're in church you give thanks. At that point in time, you say, mm, we give thanks. The Lord give, the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They meant it for, now remember that, they meant it for what? Evil, but I know that all things work together for good for them that love God and those who are called according to His purpose. Money, even if we lose money, we must not lose the spiritual lesson. And you're talking, you have calmed down your anger because you know the Lord is listening. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, the fact that you know God is listening is part of the ways you, constru- you constrain yourself to do right. If you go and read Psalm 139, David explained it, that God has encompassed me round about. Where can I hide from your presence? Where can I go away from you? That is, before there is a word on my mouth, before the thought lands on my heart, you know about it. You know what that means? Don't think evil thoughts. God is hearing it. I don't know what I get my point. If you read Rick Joyner, Rick Joyner said in his book, Final Quest, I've recommended that book so many times, so many times that if you have not read it by now, I know my enemies. You are one of them. Are you getting my point? Yes. <laughs> After all my recommendations. The way you are looking at me, I'm suspecting you. Have you read it again since you heard me recommend it? Uh, you are still one of them. <laughs> that is good. 
You should read this book, The Final Quest. You should. It's a very beautiful book. A lot of lessons inside it. All right? Now, Regina said that hmm, the angel let him, he'll be thinking one thing. The angel will give him an answer. Say, ah, I didn't know what I was thinking. Let me now add, add my own words. You were thinking, I heard it. That is like, these are not thoughts. They are words. To you, you think they are thoughts. But to us here, we can hear these things. Let me just add something to you before I go back to my message. Um, what's his name? Australian prophet. Neville Johnson, thank you. Neville Johnson will say that even your feelings can be detected in the realm of the spirit. I want you to understand that. Your feeling, if you are afraid, angels and demons, they can detect. No, I don't use the word detect. They can see it. It radiates as colors. If you are afraid, they will see it. They see the fear. You can't hide it. They see it. And the way he said it then, some people ask, ask him that, can demons read your mind? He said they don't have to read your mind. That if you've seen the realm of the spirit is full of colors, that what's going on radiates around you. So there's nothing hidden when you get to that place. It's important to understand this. So that when, if not, it's, only, it's not only what we say, what we are thinking. Make sure that, you know what David said? Let the words of my mouth and what? The meditations of my heart be what? Accepting. In your sight. Oh Lord my God and my Redeemer. It's important that what you are thinking is good. If you are thinking bad, you are already committing sin. Jokes apart. You've not done it too. That's why Jesus said that if you look lustfully at a woman, you've committed adultery already in your heart. He said if you hate your brother, you've not carried a gun, but you're a murderer. I hope you're getting my point. That's how spiritual things work. That's how they work. Now, back to our message. So the point we're making is, so let's bear it in mind. It's not only when we pray, we open our mouths to pray, that we're actually praying. When we discuss with our friends, we are praying. When we discuss with our spouses, we are actually praying. And including when you discuss with yourself. You've not called God into the matter. You are just thinking. That's why it's important your thoughts, your meditations, and of course discussion, like I said, with your close ones. Make sure they reflect the mind of God. That's one reason why prayers are not answered. Most prayers people pray, they are insincere. They are not answerable. I don't know what I heard I said. They can't be answered because they are not prayers. They are religious utterances. They don't mean them. Because when they finish, before they went to pray, their discussions did not reflect faith, did not reflect the power of God, did not reflect anything that shows that they recognize that God can solve the problem. So when they come to pray, why would God, if you were God, will you listen? Think about it. Somebody wants to come to your office to come and ask you for something. But he did not know that he mistakenly pressed, no, he didn't know that while he was ringing the bell, that the, the intercom came on, and he didn't know that your bell, is a, your bell is a type that you hear what is going on outside there. So he pressed the bell, switched on the intercom, and you now hear the fellow saying, is he inside? Don't mind him. Are you getting my point? 
So that man, very wicked. Very wicked. Last week, I asked him to help me. I committed a small offense. She just bailed me out. He refused. Very wicked. So your friend, his friend asked, why are we now here? He said, well, where else will we go now? He's the only one that seems to have no people around here. Let's just go and meet him. Foolish man. Then as soon as they open the door, he sees you. Good afternoon, sir. And he prostrates. Oh, correct, sir. May you live long, sir. It is well with you, sir. And he finishes praising you, praising you. If you are like me, you won't say you heard him. When he finishes praising you and telling you, we, look, my friend and I just said that you are the most dependable person. That once you come into your presence, our problems are gone. In fact, last week my neighbor said, you were the one that helped, that is, he starts telling you all kinds of good things. Will he impress you? If you are like me, you won't see anything. You will let him finish. You will shake his hand. Then he will go. Help him. The man who just said you are very wicked. But he did not know you heard it. Now, why, why I gave that um, illustration is that many of us don't realize that is how we behave. And which takes me to the next uh, scripture we need to read. Very important. This time around from David. I'm just going to do um, mostly teaching today. We'll pray at the end, but Psalm 34, we'll read from verse 1, I'll read to verse 3. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be in my mouth when we are in church. My soul, (laughs) his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. I just read that again to emphasize the continual thing he said there. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Very important verse. I read that. That's the main one I wanted to bring out. Just read the previous two to connect with it. He said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, remember I was saying, when we are talking, somebody's talking outside, he wants to come and see a man of power, but he first sits down there and describes the man's reluctance to help, his unwillingness to help, and his wickedness. Then he comes to the man's presence and starts telling the man how good he is. That's the opposite of what David is describing here. David said, my, his praise shall continually be in my mouth, so that whether I am praying or I am not praying, his praise is constantly in my mouth. Please bear that in mind. That is, whether I'm asking him for something, or I'm not asking him for anything, his praise is in my mouth. What do I mean by his praise? Let's explain it. Because you see, what we do a lot of times as believers, is that we praise only deliberately, with words that we have learned, wrote learning, we've memorized, but we don't realize that we do the opposite of praise most of the time. At least most times, that's what we are doing, the opposite. What do I mean by the opposite of praise? Let's describe what praise is. Praise is simply to recognize and acknowledge, right, verbally, the power of God. The, give me another word. The power is so perfect. I'm looking another one to just explain it further. Eh? The excellency of God. And give me another one. Supremacy of God, all right? Go ahead. I want plenty. 
power, supremacy, excellency. Give me another one. Greatness, Greatness of God. Thank you very much. Another one. Lordship. The Lordship of God. Beautiful. Alright. Just keep on. Just keep. Eh? The magnificence of God. The, the wonders of God, yes. His abilities. Alright. The control he has over things. That's all praises. I hope you're getting my point. Now let me now prove to you that many of times we unpraise him. This one by we unpraise. We take his praise and carry it somewhere else. Now what do I mean by that? Please, I need to take a break again and remind us of another doctrine that we've been preaching from this uh, platform here. And that is the explanation of the third commandment. I've heard all kinds of explanations of the third commandment that says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I've not seen anyone. I think this one I give is still the most accurate I've been able to decipher from scripture. And it fits. It fits. There are three commandments that the, the list starts with. The first one is what? You shall have no other God before me. Next one is you shall not make a graven image. The third one, he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So people interpret that don't just use God's name anyhow. I don't think that's what he said. That third one is part and well connected to the first two. He said, first one, don't have another God besides me. That is, I the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, whichever we want to describe his name, I am the true God. There must be no other God. Number two, this true God, don't carve him. You've never seen him. So you can't carve him, whether with gold or silver or wood. You can't mold any image of him. Then number three, he said there are people that have made images before you. Don't change the name of the image and now call it Jehovah or Yahweh, your God. Don't ever do it. That is the third commandment. It fits. If you look at it well, it fits very well. First one, no other God. So we have agreed only one God, right? But how do we recognize him? Most people have images of their gods. They have a, they have a, an, a, an idol, you no? Know? A carving, a, a molten idol, something like they made a, a, a molten image. A, what's the word they use for that one? A graven image. Okay? A, a graven image. But we can't make it. So God said, don't make any image of me. You've never seen me before. What, do you know what I look like? Third, People do it a lot. They take one God, remove the name, and change the name. Like <laughs> David Paulson said, one of his assignments in life is to remove Jesus from Christmas. You know, most of us want to bring Christ back into Christmas. Are you getting my point? He said, no, his assignment is to remove Christ from Christmas. That is an insult. That what happened, how did Christmas start? That a bishop came, to, well, anyway, a missionary, whatever, and a, a man posted from the church came to London. This was in England. And he saw that these people would not leave their festival, their winter festival of light. Actually, in one part of England, about three years ago, they changed the name back to winter festival of light. That was the original name. It lasted a whole week. All kinds of food. They ate all the things we do now we call Christmas. That was what they did. So the church said, okay, how do we stop them from idolatry? So they, they got a signal from headquarters. I think the Pope or somebody told him, Change the, the, the festival for them. So the man said, okay, henceforth it is not winter festival of light. It's celebration of the birth of Jesus. So they continued doing everything they were doing. This time around, they said, just added a few things and looked for new songs and said it's the birth of Jesus Christ. So it now became a Christian festival. And if a person said, as God will allow him, he must remove Jesus from that festival. Now, that's the purpose. I'm not saying it's Pastor Banky. Banky doesn't care. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. Now, I, I just want to illustrate the meaning of taking a name and placing it on something else. It can easily be done. Christians did it a lot. We did it with Easter. 
We did a lot of festivals. We didn't create the festivals. We met them there, then rearranged them, gave people something else to call it. And God commanded Israel, you must not do that with the idols you will meet in that land. He called those idols a vain thing. So don't take the name of your God and do what? Place it on a vain thing. Now this is the application for Christians. Who is your supplier? Ah, my boss. <laughs> he mustn't sack me. He pays me well. That is where my sustenance comes from. This is my business. Hey, that's what feeds my children. That's what feeds my wife and my children. You get my point? Without realizing, you know what we have done? We have said Jehovah is not Jireh. My office is Jireh. Do you get my point? It's unconscious. Without realizing it, we do it. We just, without thinking about it, we just take God's name and place it somewhere else. And what I've been explaining to us today is that we usually do it not in prayer. When we are praying, we do the right things. Oh, you God as a supplier, you will supply for me today, today. Then when you get home, hmm, this certificate, that is how we have food to eat. Without this certificate, we are dead. Then you start engineering your children to get certificates so that they can have food. Read. If you don't read, you will be poor tomorrow. <laughs> and if the child does not get the grades you want, you start panicking. That this boy may not get a good job. This girl may not get a good job. So when we are discussing what we are doing, we are taking God's name and placing it on what? A vain thing. Who is the supplier? Is the country you live in. The country you are living in right now can't supply for you. So find another God to serve. Because the country you live in is God. Which is why God will say, I am God and there is none else. You will wonder, why should, why should God say that? Were we saying the other gods before? He said, you don't realize, you've been saying it. Remember we're talking about conversation, when we're talking with each other. You hear even Christians join the world in saying, this country, if you can survive till you are 60, you are lucky. If there's trouble, there's no police to call. If you call police, they say there's no foil in their van. Okay, what is the emergency number of your country? But if you're in America now, before you die, 911, it takes the police three to five minutes maximum to get to your door. That is why you won't die. Because they'll be there to protect you. Okay, health insurance. We have this shaky, anemic, halting health insurance. But in UK, everybody is on government insurance. You can, they won't tell you that you can, if you need surgery, you can queue for two years. They won't tell you that side. But at least it's free. When you get to those countries, like my friend told me, they only was living one of my friends many years ago. So you can plan for your children. You can plan. You can plan. But here you can't plan. Listen, people of God, this is taking the name of God and placing it on a vain thing. The destiny of your children, I know I've said it many times, but I will, I will not stop saying it. Peter said, I know you know it already. I will not neglect to tell you. The destiny of your children is in God's hands. Do you hear Amen. Whether you will live or die, the power of life and death is in, with the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a testimony yesterday. I listened to a message yesterday. I said, from the person that, gave the that shared the testimony in his message, this has to be authentic. He told the story of a man. He's abroad. He said he came out of the hotel and he leaned on the balcony, not knowing that the metal railing was rusty. As he leaned on it, the thing gave way. And he fell several flights, several floors, 
hit his head on the concrete on the floor there. Of course, do I need to tell you what happened? You don't need to tell. I don't need to tell you. So he died. They carried his dead body, certified him dead in hospital, took him down to the mortuary. Two days later, with his broken head, everything, he woke up and came out. When I, I heard that one yesterday, I said, Father in heaven. Nobody went there to pray for him. Two days later, his battered head, everything had been rearranged. There was one man who shared his own testimony before a United Nations session. I have that video. That me, I'm a living testimony that Jesus is the answer. And he told his story of how long he was dead. Then Jesus said, you are not dying yet. Go back, you have work to do. You want to escape. No escape. I added that last no sentence. These are real things. So the power, who will live, who will not die? My brethren, is determined by who? God. The power is with the Lord Jesus Christ. God has given it to him to hold. So when you are discussing, there are statements you make, you insult him. I want you to understand it. That's the point I'm making. There are statements you make, total insulting of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you start saying that, uh, what is life expectancy in your country? I say, are you a statistic or a child of God? This is, there are things you don't say. You won't catch me dead saying them. If you saw a dead body saying it is not me, that is, while alive, I won't say it. Even if my body died and it says that, toss that rubbish. Just say, this is not Pastor Banky's corpse. His own is down the road. Because there are things I don't say. I quarrel with believers and unbelievers on the matter. I have a friend. He's as if the only job he has. Did I call him a friend? Anyway, brother, sir. The only job he has is magnifying a foreign country. What's the opposite of magnify? And the underfying... Manufacture my English, I beg. Underfying Nigeria. He does it all the time. I, have a, I also have a job of throwing him jabs. I, there are some jabs I will throw him. I know he knows the scriptures. I will throw him some jabs he has to shut up. If he won't keep quiet, I, I rewrite his scripture and drop it for him. He will know where I got it from. He will keep quiet. What I'm telling him in effect, shame on you. What are you a Christian for? Remember, I started with what? Prayer. When we are what? Talking to one another. Conversing with one another. We started with that. Then I went ahead. Of course, we emphasized the fact that you are praying. And many times we undermine our prayers, not realizing that that's part of prayer. Then I went ahead to explain about the principle of, you know, magnifying, uh, no, uh, the third commandment, yes, now. Okay, no, we read from Psalm 34, okay? And then, from there I went to explain again the principle of the third commandment. So what was David saying here, Psalm 34? That's what we're talking about. What are you magnifying Instead of magnifying God. What does it mean to magnify? We describe praise. Praise essentially is when you magnify God. You cannot pump God up more than he really is. You can't over-describe him. No, no. What you are doing when you are magnifying God, you are not magnifying him as in him, himself. You are magnifying him in your life. You are magnifying him to other people. You are helping them see him clearly. I hope you are getting my point. Like the other day, one of our sisters were talking. She was there when I was preaching, actually. At the end of the day, she said, ah, this one you said now, like, see, let's be careful, because this was somebody who every time holds the head of state responsible 
for many of the things going wrong in the country. And we typically do that. But you know what God said about it? Why do you regard man whose breath is in his nostrils? I dropped that scripture and said, hey. I said, how can you say he's responsible? You are telling him he has power. The power that belongs to Jesus. How can you say that? Remember, we were looking at Joseph. They asked Joseph, why are you in Egypt? He said, God meant it for good. You understand what I'm saying? If you ask a normal person, why is he in Egypt? He's his brothers. If you ask Joseph, why are you in Egypt? The plan of God. If you ask uh, David or whoever wrote that psalm, he said he sent a man ahead of them. So if you say, why is, David in Egypt? Uh, why is um, Joseph in Egypt? They say, the Lord sent him there. Do you get my point? Like I've been saying, Christians, you must learn to seek God in everything. Ask my wife, some of the things, when my wife and I talk, if she mistakenly says something and she does not put God there properly, she will listen to your 30 minute lecture. Ah. Let, let me give an example. The extent I carry it to. The car I drive currently, I've had it for some years, and it's been seriously reliable. It's been a blessing. That car has gone. That car, one day, let me tell you what the car did. We left from here, me and Tor Reverend. We went to Undo to go and preach. Undo town. Now, Undo is, when you get, all of us know Ore, right? When you get to Ore, you turn, drive around that one hour. That's when you get to Undo town. It was a week we were doing, um, so I, I told the people I'll be able to do Wednesday and Thursday for them. No, I think Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning. Then Friday, our Portacot program was starting. As soon as we left Tondo, it was raining. We drove in the rain constantly through Edo, through Delta, connected with rivers. Rich for that. That is, Dakar, don't preach the gospel. There was a day they told me to come and preach somewhere. I couldn't go. So years ago. So I said, okay. Torrey Ren will come. So I gave him the car and gave him my Bible as a sign of a transference of anointing. I said, take the Bible, take the car, go, go and preach. That car was car Anambra State. My car can drive around around Anambra State by itself. <laughs> he knows Anambra well. Just give him a key, say, go to Nobi and get me something. He said, I've rocked this car till today. It's, I can count the number of times that I turned the key and it did not start one hand. First time he did that, it was called the battery that came with the car was dead. So I replaced the battery, so that really doesn't count. I mean, till now, hardly do you turn that key and the car does not answer you. In one turn, boom, it starts. There's another time the Kickstarter was bad. So, and this few things in between. So one day, of course, not so, people have said this. So I say, ah, that's why it's good to buy your car new. Did you hear what I said? And that's one statement I revolt at all the time. I tell people, can't you identify the blessing of God? So for most people, the interpretation is that, yes, you bought it, but it was brand new. I said, Jesus, what is wrong with people? People have bought cars brand new, and it did not start that day. 
And the example I like to give all the time is that of Johnson Publications. The man owns um, Ebony. He bought a brand new Rolls Royce for his only child's wedding. The only child he has. A girl. So you know the way it is. He has money. Where, where else will you spend money if you don't spend it on your only daughter's wedding? So he's, he imported a brand new Rolls Royce, customized, just for the wedding. The day of the wedding, it did not start. Now that's the extent I take my own things to. He said, ah, this car really saved you. I said, ah, I thank God. It's a favor of God. I will not take the name of the Lord and place it on a vain thing. You know what the Bible says? God can save with a multitude. He can save with a few. He can bless you and make your life sweet with an old car. He can do it with a brand new one. As I, God can, he can save with a multitude, he can save with a few. Please, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and read God's smuggler, Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew drove an old car and drove it and drove it. He did not even know he was supposed to service and maintain the car. But the car refused to stop. Then one day the car stopped in front of a mechanic. Obviously, one ninja said, Ha! Tired of pushing you, my guy. <laughs> Repair this thing. <laughs> when they just got there, the, 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 the car stopped. The car refused to work again. When the mechanic came, he just opened the mechanic shop. When the mechanic came, he looked at the car and said, no, you, you are telling me you drove this car here. <laughs> the mechanic said, it's not possible. This car is not working. Ross, <laughs> this is the car I drove. The mechanic, everything was wrong. This guy did not know cars were supposed to be maintained. Everything was wrong with that motor car. And the mechanic took it in. Corrected everything. Rebuilt what needed to be rebuilt. Service this, changed this. By the time we finished, the engine was almost brand new. Pay was not the issue. When they told him the bill, he said, I'm coming. <laughs> he looked like God. Oh, wait, wait oh. <laughs> are you going to strand him? Then some students just say, just asked him, ah, what do I need? They just, anyway, some strangers just counted some money, gave it to him. It was the exact balance he needed to pay the mechanic. He went there, paid his mechanic, and continued driving his car. So, whether it's an old car or a new car, if God's blessing is upon it, it will serve you with peace of mind. But you see, when you take the name of God and place it on brand new, you you drive away the blessing of God on anything old in your life. God can bless old clothes so much that they don't wear out. Matter of fact. He does this thing. We are the ones that limit his power. I like one testimony Bishop Oedipo gave long ago. He said, one day started his car. His neighbor said, ah, he's giving knocking sign. He said he came out, laid his hand on the engine, and cast out the knocking demon. And his neighbor's engine knocked the following week. <laughs> he said the, the demon obviously, obviously came out, entered another vehicle. Listen, pray over your car. Don't give the glory to Mercedes Benz or Toyota. This is what we call the glory of God. Give it to him. 
When you start your kind of money, give thanks. That is the meaning of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like praise. You are acknowledging that God, it is you. You are saying it is you. You start the kind of money it starts. Don't say, hmm, I like Toyotas. They are very reliable. You are taking the name of the Lord and doing what? Placing it on a vain Toyota. Look, you must learn that is, oh, please don't miss our Saturdays when we are teaching. These are things you do how? Deliberately. You deliberately. Even when you don't feel like it. Say no. If you have a well-paying job, once the money comes, give thanks for it. Don't say, ha! When I was telling my friends to read that time so they can have a second class or power first class and get a job in this place. They thought I was joking. Look at it now. There are things you do. God just needs to sack you. Like he sacked Nebuchadnezzar. So you're going to be jobless for seven months or seven years, depending on how long it takes to correct your head. So when you get to work in the morning, bow your head on the desk. Father, I thank you for this job. It's my opportunity to be a blessing to people. At the end of the day, when you close, or at the end of the month, they give you a salary. Look at the money and bless it. How do you bless it? Listen, blessing is not only when you say, be blessed, be blessed. No. Looking at food and say, Father, we thank you. When the Bible says, Jesus blessed food. Did you say, this food I hereby speak to you. Go out. You know the way we pray for food? We say, it shall be nourishment to our body. Did you hear Jesus say that? I'm not saying saying it is evil, but it's not necessary. All he did was what? Give thanks. That was how he blessed food. And the Bible will tell you, this was where he fed 5,000 after he had given thanks. Thanksgiving is not a trick. It's reality. It's understanding. So he said, Father, I thank you for this food with which you are going to feed this multitude. Ah, the food began to multiply. As he was breaking it, it was increasing. It was breaking the bread, kept on increasing until thousands ate. That's the meaning of Thanksgiving. So if you give, th- oh, I pray we understand it. You will discover that you can spend 5,000 naira and it will not finish. And you'll have gotten results of people that had 200,000 to start. The story of the cruise of oil that we will not finish. Eh? It's a modern story. You don't think it's only old times. It's still happening till today. The other day, Pastor Chintok was giving a testimony that they will start to, I think, I can't remember the details now, but there's a particular thing they had to do. When they started spending, by the time they finished, the money was at exactly the same level. <laughs> and they had finished the whole project. One day, Dr. Lufar was telling his testimony that Rice, in his house, he was having a lot of visitors. Having visitors. Ah! People coming and going. The house was full. Not now that rice is relatively cheap. This long ago, sap day, days of sap. They kept on cooking and cooking and cooking. Then one day his wife said, Ah, ah! This rice, won't you finish? It finished that day. That day, the cruise of oil. <laughs> you know, like the Bible says, it went dry. If she had kept quiet, that they kept on taking the rice. Go and bring rice from the back. They bring rice. Go and bring rice. They bring. Go and bring rice. One day the woman panics. Yeah, hey, which kind of rice is this one? That that very day, the rice finished. This look, listen. So these things are real. They are, they are real. They are real. They are real things. That is the same man who gave the testimony of water. He said, travel to Ibadan. They had some areas. He said, bad on water, that thing, I don't know about now. Bad. So when he arrived, his mother told him that, ah, good you have come. 
because now you'll be able to, be able to use your car to be going to fetch water. He said, huh? He had a little baby. He said, no, water will come today. He said, his mother laughed and said, listen, if water was there to start pumping water, this is the last part of the town they'll pump to. He told the woman, don't worry, water is coming today. So after everybody had gone to sleep, he sat down in the sitting room and began to pray. He prayed and prayed and prayed until he heard the tap hissing. You know when you know water is rushing down? When he heard it, then water came out, you know, a few drops. Then he chased the water out of the house, not the compound. When he didn't stop, he said, you're not going anywhere. He left inside the house, he went outside and continued the praying until water began to flow constantly. So when the force was good and the flow was constant, he went and woke them up and said, come and fetch water. So they filled, they filled everything. They had reservoirs, they filled them. He went to sleep. When he woke up in the morning, of course, the water had stopped, but they had filled everywhere. So then they, we used to, I don't know how, those of you are old enough, we used to use aluminum reservoirs. So they tried to open it. They opened it. His water was to the brim. Trying to cover it. That the day he's leaving, they should check that water to be at the same level. The day he was leaving after he packed, he stayed for about a week or two, not very sure of how long. Then, when they were about to leave, they had entered the sky, told him to go and check the water. They opened it, it was still full. See, God can save with a multitude. He can save with a few. If you understand this thing, you will drive an old car. People will be wondering. You will, you will not even sweat inside. I don't have a working air conditioner. That's how spiritual things work. Like I say all the time, we are the ones that limit the power of God. We are the ones that do that. We limit God's power. And how do we do it? Simple things like when we are talking. Uh, you know my car is old. These old cars, that's it. God said, no problem. Your car is old. And these old cars are not reliable. Be it unto you according to your faith. Once my mother told me, there was a car my dad had that time. I said, how is that this car doing? Ah, he said, your father's car is fine. No? That he lays hands on it every morning. That, that, the way she said it, like, the car has to be fine. That is, that amount of laying of hands, you had better be fine. You do have a choice. <laughs> than to be fine. That every morning he will come out and lay hands on the car. What am I talking about? Not taking the name of God and placing it on a vain thing. We do that a lot. Nigeria has problems. We'll turn around to whom? The head of state and the ruling party. Any problem in Enugu, we blame the governor. When we do that, you know what we're saying? The power belongs to Muhammad Buhari. That's what we do. And by that, we limit the power of God. See the way we're going about it? One, when we talk to each other, God is listening. Two, what does it mean to magnify God? What's the principle of a third commandment? That's what I'm talking about. If you remember, where did we begin from? Jeremiah chapter 10. Go back there. And that's what I want us to start doing. When we want to talk... Let's stop taking God's name and placing it on vain things. David said, let's magnify God. What does it mean to magnify God? In every situation, 
in your simple conversations, people of God, don't forget it. Magnify him. If you see what Jeremiah was saying here, we read it together. He said the people have learned the bad habits of the nations. Verse um, 1. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the nations. Like I said, my New Living Translation says, do not act like the other nations. Do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens. That is, don't take your deductions from the stars. Even though the other nations are terrified by them. He said, for the customs of the people are a delusion. They are deceived. What should you do? Verse 6. See what he says. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great. And great is your name in might. Your name is full of power, he says. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But the Lord is... I've jumped a few verses now. Verse 10. The Lord is the true God. The Lord is the giver of life. The Lord is the giver of prosperity, not any country. Health systems don't give prosperity. The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earthquakes... And the nations cannot endure his indignation. Look at verse 12. It is he who made the earth by his power. Who established the world by his wisdom. And by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens. And it causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. And brings out the wind from his storehouses. Verse 16. I haven't described in verse 15 the worthlessness of other gods, the molten images. He now says the portion of Jacob is not like this. The God of Jacob is not like this. He is the maker. He said, for the maker of all is he. And Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Why I decided to, for us to start with that is to see a man describe God. When David said, magnify the Lord, that's what he was t- saying. That is when they tell you that, ah, we are going to die. Why? Because health systems are collapsing. You say, safety is of the Lord. And you mean it. Are you getting my point? You are not trying to be politically, spiritually correct. No. You actually mean it. You deliberately mean it. I hope you are getting my point. And don't be ashamed to say it. If you, are, if you are amongst people that don't understand, for, before whom the Bible says, do not cast your pearls before swine. You know what you do? Keep quiet. When they are talking, don't say a word. You are either magnifying God, or you are not saying anything. Do you get my point? People say, people are suffering in this country. This country is really punishing the youth. Keep quiet. If they say, what do you think? Tell them that in reality... Nebo bows down, Bell stoops over. Is this Bell bows down, Nebo stoops over? Only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. That the problem is not the country. The problem is whether we are walking in the will of God, following the plan of God, whether we are receiving blessing from Him. If anybody will stretch forth his hands to receive blessings from God, he will prosper anywhere. Say, so don't mind you people are not realistic. Say, that's my reality. 
People find it easy. You, know, you get my point? To step down to the reality of the world. They're always trying to drag you down. Let me say this to you. Anyway, they drag you to. That is the limit of the power of God in your life. Seriously. Don't, you don't have to please people by nodding to every rubbish they say. 